What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L-I-V-E presents Evolve, featuring your host, Robin White Turtle Lisney. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Evolve, nurturing the new in consciousness, the arts, and culture, with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening. Evolve brings you people and ideas on the cutting edge of change, opening the shells of the past to move our culture into the now. The arts and evolving consciousness are how we are bringing that change to the culture at large. Evolve brings you the wise, the foolish, and the heart-based to help us meet the challenges of the times we are in. Your host in helping you evolve is Robin White Turtle Disney who received her Master's in Fine Arts from Mills College in Creative Writing in 2012 and her Ph.D. in Energy Medicine in 2013. She is an author of three books, the most recent being Heart Path, Learning to Love Yourself and Listening to Your Guides. She has published poetry in many literary journals and numerous anthologies, and her poem First Step was selected for reading by survivors at the Virginia Tech Memorial Bench dedication in April 2010. In addition to her writing, Robin is also an artist whose work has been shown widely throughout the Midwest and East Coast. Robin White Turtle Lisney is a psychic medium and energy medicine practitioner through East West Bookstore in Mountain View, California, through her office in Santa Cruz, California, and across the country by phone. Robin travels across the country as a speaker and leading workshops. To find out more about Robin, you can visit her website at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. So take a breath, relax, and let yourself evolve with your host, Robin White Turtle Listening.
Welcome, everybody. This is Robin White Turtle and today we have an interview with Patricia White Buffalo. Patricia is, uh, as you will hear, has a seminar uh, on shamanism, and we're also going to be talking about shamanism and what it is. So now listen to Patricia White Buffalo and an interview I did with her earlier this week. All right, today this is Robin White Turtle Woman, and uh, I am here today with Patricia White Buffalo. Uh, Patricia combines her shamanic tradition and her deep connection with the earth with her professional training as a teacher, therapist, energy practitioner, and musician to guide and heal others for personal and planetary transformation. Patricia began with traditional training at San Jose State University in psychology and then trained in hands-on healing and transpersonal psychology with Barbara Brennan School of Healing. She's also a graduate of the Center for the Intentional Living Training in Early Childhood Development and the Core Energetic Institute, specializing in body psychotherapy. In addition, as a member of City Yoga for 18 years, she shares her devotional practice of divine worshiping, bhakti, with uh, the form of chanting, kirtan, in all of her work. Patricia's 20 years of professional experience have included a private practice, a teacher, an assistant dean for the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, and facilitator of shamanic retreats and workshops, and a teacher for healing programs internationally. Patricia brings her love of music and its power to heal to her production of musical healing events with the Heaven on Earth Ensemble as a musician playing the Native American drums, rattle, and flute to induce trans-somatic states for healing and transformation, she has also produced a CD titled Journey With Me, featuring shamanic-guided journeys. She currently has created a shamanic training and transformational program called Walk the Shaman's Path, a unique and extensive three-year training program specializing in the utilization of her own perceptive blend of shamanic and hands-on healing techniques with the teachings of the Wheel of Awakening, her complete model for personal transformation. Welcome, Patricia. <laughs> it's fun to be here in your house, and we're doing this interview uh, with your little dog, Nana, sitting over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk about shamanism, and uh, I'm really interested in the kind of shamanism that you do and how you have developed this. Um, can you talk a little bit about how shamanism, how you might use shamanism in your trainings and in your practice, and how do you see it? How do you see shamanism? Well, um, shamanism came to me naturally. I was never taught shamanism. It was something, as I was started my spiritual path, um, the first thing that opened up for me was uh, hearing the spirits of the earth, uh-huh. connecting to the earth spirits. It just—it was just the first thing that happened, and it was quite actually alarming, and and I didn't understand it. So, shamanism has always been sort of something natural, mm-hmm. very natural for me, mm-hmm. and so it's been more like, um, how can I then learn how to teach it, or how can I slow it down and figure out. And to help teach it by figuring out, okay, what is it I'm actually doing, or mm-hmm. how, how, you know, what is it? What, what am I doing, and what, what's it all about? So it's been through all this time, really, 
trying to uh, slow it down and and take something that comes quite natural to me mm-hmm. uh, and try to give a form to it mm-hmm. that yeah. I could teach it. Uh-huh. Yeah, how, how, when did you first ex- have those experiences? Was it when you were a, a child or as you got older, or when did that start occurring for you where you kind of talked to the earth? Well, um, it happened to me when I was like 29, I think it was, and I had sort of a, you know, like a, a spiritual breakdown. I mean, you know, a death of uh, the way I was. I was living. I grew up in Silicon Valley, and I was working in electronics and going to college, and I sort of, uh, you know, got and lost in that kind of world, and and uh, moved and moved to the uh, Monterey, to, mm-hmm. to the beach. Uh, to the coast, and because uh, I felt very lost, didn't know what life was all about, and I knew I could no longer work in the corporate world or in the in electronics anymore. So you were in the corporate world. Yeah. You were. Oh wow. I was a buyer for a major electronics firm. Uh, yes, I, it started out where I was just going to college, and I needed a job mm-hmm. to pay for college. And so living in the, you know, growing up in Sunnyvale and living in the Silicon Valley, at that time, mm-hmm. jobs, you know, were easy to come by if you wanted to work in electronics. So that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And it was just to pay for my schooling. Because mm-hmm. I always knew I wanted to study psychology and actually teach. I was always interested in psychology and sociology. But then what happened was I got involved in working for electronics and they kept promoting me and they said to me, if you changed your you know, your uh, your degree, you know, uh, your major uh, will pay for your college and if you changed it to business. And so I changed it to business and so I sort of got lost mm-hmm. in what I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 29, I realized that I had completely got off the track and I was not, um, I was very, uh, you know, I was very lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when I moved to, to the Monterey Bay. And when I moved to the Monterey Bay was when I first, um, I was very depressed and sort of kind of lost, and I would walk the beach. I was living in the van at at the time, and I'd spend a lot of time in nature and walking the beach and sitting on the the land. And that's when the the earth started to speak to me and the birds and everything started to speak to me. And it was, that's when it happened. And then when I went through that process, I did start to remember as a child, it was, that was a natural, that was something that was very natural to me as a mm-hmm. child, but as an adult, I had forgotten mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, you know, that was something that happened to me when I was a child. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in the Silicon Valley, which when I was growing up was called the Valley of the Orchards. So to get to school, you had to walk through the orchards, you had, mm-hmm. you know, you had to walk the land, mm-hmm. and so there was butterflies, there were squirrels, there was all kinds of, nature was all over, it was abundant, mm-hmm. and you could actually see that you were in a valley, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, you could see the mountains around you, so it was very earthy in nature, and as a, as a child, I would, I would uh, talk to nature, mm-hmm. but I had forgotten, it was mm-hmm. funny, I mm-hmm. had completely forgotten. Isn't it interesting how a lot of people that do the work that we do have gone through huge transformation, you know, a personal transformation, which gets them into this work, it seems like. I, I know the same thing happened to me in different ways, but there has to be some kind of a death of 
the old in order for the new to emerge. So, yeah, I can really relate to that. Yeah, most people, when you, you uh, talk to people who do our work, they often will tell you they had some kind of uh, some kind of death or uh, some kind of breakthrough break uh, breakdown of, of uh, the way they they were living or the way they believe what life was about. Right. Yeah. There's some right. yeah some place where uh, in their life uh, there comes a, a point of of questioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like what's what's it all about? Or right. Yeah. What, what am, am I doing? What here? am I doing this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was I was 29 when that happened. Mm-hmm. And so I moved to Monterey and lived in a van for a year mm. and didn't work and just really got back in connection with, with the earth and the land. And and that's when when uh, shamanism reawoken in me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. And I used it for personal healing mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. So once you finish that process of personal healing I know for myself it never kind of ends but you're you're always uh, it, you get to a point where you could uh, you can take it into another direction when when did you begin to think about going to Barbara Brennan's school or were you already starting to go at that point or did you know or was it later did you finish in psychology those are a whole lot of questions all at once <laughs> Well, what 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 happened was kind of interesting. Shamanism was the first thing that awoken into me, as, awoken in me, as a, as a spiritual path. And then um, I did meet Amita, who uh, was a hypnotherapist that I worked with, and with uh, a focus on shamanism. So she worked a lot with me, using my natural gift of being able to journey into the shamanic realm. And mm-hmm. so I did a lot of healing work with her. Uh, but around the same time. I uh, I um, found Barbara Brennan's book Hands of Light, and I was really uh, taken. I you know, p- couldn't put the book down. I read it, you know, you know, a few nights. I mean, just read the whole thing. And then I needed to meet this woman. It just happened, of course, no mistake. She was happening to uh, tour in San Francisco, mm-hmm. so I got to do my first workshop with her. And when I met her, I just, we both felt that we had, you know, had met before in another life. You know, we were just very, had a very nice, beautiful connection with each other. And I knew she'd be my teacher. And even though she wasn't very shamanic, you know, mm-hmm. there was something, she she really uh, spoke into that part of me that wanted to make sense. Mm-hmm. She was a scientist, and the way she looked at metaphysics and the way she taught, made sense to my rational or that part of me that wanted to understand uh, uh, about how all this, you know, how energy worked, how other realities worked, and and uh, about the chakra system. And, and she also, what interests me is, always was uh, interested in psychology. I, you know, that's what I majored in college. She took psychology and metaphysics and the, uh, and the um, sh- chakra system and put it, put them together, and mm-hmm. I had never seen that done or mm-hmm. read that, so I was really taken by that. Mm-hmm. So I met her, and what happened after meeting her, I knew I wanted to study with her, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, uh, you know, I I did some more personal work, and but then what was interesting, 
little by little as I went towards working with her, I mean studying with her and then, you know, then then studying core energetics and um, Center for Intentional Living, it's like in a way my shamanism was there, but it it sort of didn't, it, it took a center, uh, you know, second stage. It kind of, mm-hmm. I, I left it alone. I mean, mm-hmm. I dabbled in it a little bit. I liked to make sacred objects. I did some ceremonies. I brought some of my shamanic work to Barbara Brennan's, mm-hmm. but it was like, you know, uh, to me, I, I needed this other other type of work. Mm-hmm. And so um, I worked for Barbara for 13 years and taught for her. And during that time, um, my shamanism wasn't, you know, uh, in the forefront. Mm-hmm. 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 It sort of took second stage to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was, that was probably... Uh, good for me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as I look now as yeah. I look at it now yeah because Barbara Brennan uh, talk a little bit about how Barbara's school works do you, can you give us kind of an idea for those of uh, listeners that might not know um, who Barbara Brennan is I know she wrote the hands of light and she wrote a bunch of other books yeah she wrote uh, just two hands of light and light emerging and light emerging yeah as I said Barbara was one of the first to put the chakra system the aura and the uh, psychological, um, you know, uh, developmental system uh, together, mm-hmm. and and um, so her school really taught hands-on healing, but also taught you uh, psychologically uh, what we call the characterology systems of uh, the Reichian uh, systems of of looking at uh, people's auras, but also physical bodies to see developmentally where they're where they're in defense or where they're wounded. So mm-hmm. I, you know, um, Barbara really taught us how to work with the energy field and the mm-hmm. chakras uh, to help heal people uh, from their, their childhood wounding and how to understand and, and see where the child wo- wounding was through looking at the aura and, and looking at their physical body. And so uh, I learned a lot of healing techniques. I developed my high sense perception ability to, to see and sense and read uh, the aura. I also learned a lot of um, um, transpersonal psychology, you know, mm-hmm. how to take people beyond the ego. And also we did a lot of work, with, of course, with the ego and transforming aspects of the ego. We learned a system from the pathworks that we used. And... Um, and so I learned so much from Barbara. It was just, just amazing, and I got an opportunity to teach for her in, in big, large groups and, and do process groups with hundreds of people. So I gained a lot of uh, knowledge and a lot of confidence in holding, um, holding rooms with large, large groups of people and working the energy of large groups of people with mm-hmm. her. That's exciting. Yeah, I know her work is so um, so important, such a foundation for energy medicine in mm-hmm. general, and uh, how people work with energy today. They almost always refer to her because she, she really was the first person to really. There were several. I mean, you could say there's others, but but her her work was so foundational. It was the first time mm-hmm. I remember seeing hands of light and looking like, well, that's what I see. Yeah, that's. Oh, and then she can name it, and she can do right. this with it, and she she's showing what these mean, what these colors mean, or the, mm-hmm. the configurations of things in somebody's energy field mean. So mm-hmm. that's really really great that you had so much time with her. 
And she also developed a lot of techniques how to like to repair the chakra system, repair the lines of light on your energy field. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we did past life work and um, lots lots of different techniques that she brought that that I learned from her Mm -hmm. and uh, were very powerful and uh, very transformative. I think someone had told me, I think she uh, has 5,000 graduates. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, she's... uh, yeah, she really did uh, leave a mark in the work. Yeah, yeah. really, really wonderful. So I was fortunate. One. I taught for her for 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you left her program, what, about six years ago? Is that right? In 2006. 2006. Yeah, yeah I always knew that I, when I taught for her, I even told her when we, um, she asked me to teach, I always knew that I would eventually go back to my shamanism mm-hmm. that 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 was calling me yeah yeah and um that I needed to uh even though I liked her work and it was good work it was it was not quite my natural way of working mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I was I'm much more uh, you know I was much more earth and much more shamanic her work is more etheric right yeah right and but um again it I learned so much discipline from her, mm-hmm. so much me- mental discipline and structure that I didn't lack, and uh, that I, I mean that I lacked. And so I can see now, like I said, that I was like a, a you know a, a wild person when I first started, and I think I would have just spun out with my shamanism. It was it was too, shamanism is a very powerful work, and you really have to have discipline and structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. Barbara gave me that, mm-hmm. and working, yeah, being with Barbara and, and working with her in a more structured format, mm-hmm. uh, working those uh, etheric, uh, the higher levels, which wasn't, you know, uh, really my natural uh, place, you know, the higher chakras, the structure, I mean, the higher levels weren't really well developed in me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the lower levels were, you know, mm-hmm. the more earth levels were, so that's what I got, I got a lot from her and then so I felt like then I came back to my shamanism, and it was much more balanced. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I felt like, and much more disciplined. I was mm-hmm. more disciplined, and and uh, I could uh, utilize and go deeper with the shamanic work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also learned, I think, from her uh, so much, but now that I, when I went to then take my shamanism and said, okay, because I felt really guided, now it's time for you to you know, awaken and help awaken the shamanic nature and in, in the students who are, who, who come to you, you know, they're mm-hmm. called to work with you. Um, I, I really was so uh, pleased that I had worked with her for so long because I learned how then to have a structure of a way to teach people mm-hmm. how to put a program together mm-hmm. and, you know, how to break it up in segments and, how to write um, techniques up and things like that, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which I would not have had if mm-hmm. I would have just, you know, not have done that work with right, her. Right. So it, it it was really uh, now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, perfect. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. how it went full circle for me. Mm-hmm. So when I left Barbara's is when I really came back mm-hmm. um, to my my shamanism, and then it was slowing it down and figuring out, okay. How do I do this? Mm-hmm. What is shamanism? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it wasn't something I read in a book or anything. Mm-hmm. So I had to, okay, how do I journey? Okay, 
you know, what am I doing when I journey? Right. <laughs> yeah, down just the break process. it all down, the yeah. process. Yeah, and you, know? you have to do that to teach it. And so exactly. That's what, that's what was important at that yeah. time. Yeah, and so it, it's been the last six years as I've been putting together my programs, um, really slowing it down and actually not learning shamanism, but learning how I do it and learning how to, how to the best way to, as I say, I, I really think it more that I'm not teaching shamanism as much as I'm, I'm awaking the shamanic nature and the students that come to me because uh-huh. for me everybody's shamanic has a shamanic nature right because I see shamanism as um something that you know it, that we our ancestors all our ancestors were earth-based spiritual right um worshipers right and that's what I believe shamanism is it's just earth-based spirituality mm-hmm. and it's been proven that that was practiced on every continent yeah. in the world so if that's true, everyone's ancestors come from an earth-based spirituality. Right. And so um, what I like to think my work's about is, okay, how can I help you awaken your natural ancestral connection uh, to your earth-based spirituality? Mm-hmm. That's what I see, see my mm-hmm. job or what, I, what I'd like, uh, what my teachership's about mm-hmm. and my program's about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that because I think that the earth-based spirituality is often misconstrued as, you know, uh, as Wiccan or, um, you know, like woo-woo. And actually it's very grounded and practical. And and I know from my own experience that earth-based traditions give you a, a practical way to live here but they're all on this earth, but they also give you the tools to manifest for your life and to, to help yourself and to help your family and to help people around you. So it's a very benevolent practice as well. And I think that's highly misunderstood by a lot of people. So we're going to take a little break and we'll come right back with Patricia White Buffalo, who teaches a shamanic training and transformational program called Walking the Shaman's Path. And we'll be right back.
we're back with Patricia White Buffalo, who teaches a course called Shamanic Training, uh, Walking the Shaman's Path. It's a shamanic training and transformational program. And uh, it's a three-year training program that specializes in her own perception, uh, perceptive blend of shamanic and hands-on healing techniques with the teachings of the Wheel of Awakening, which is her complete model for personal transformation. So welcome back. Thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of switch gears a little and see if we couldn't start with uh, some music. So I know you love music and you use it a lot in a lot of your work. And uh, you used it in the Heaven on Earth Ensemble uh, when you were doing your program with that. So I'm just going to let you play for a minute here. Okay. Well, I'm going to play, um, this is a Native American flute. Um trying to remember I think this this particular one I have quite a few as you're in my house and you can you're noticing I don't have about eight of them but this one's from New Mexico uh, and uh, it's one of my favorite or something when you were playing that. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So when you first um, uh, stopped teaching for Barbara Brennan, you created this incredible production called the Heaven on Earth Ensemble. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because that was just such an amazing experience to go to. And well, that's right. You came to of, one of our productions. Yeah, I came to a couple of them, actually. And, uh-huh. I, and I, I loved how you put that all together. Did that have, uh, was that kind of a preliminary project before you started teaching your work? Yeah, after I left Barbara's, I was in quite, I was a little lost, I guess. I didn't, I didn't quite yet feel ready to start a program or uh, teach my work or, you know, because as I said, I came out and I sort of didn't know what that was even going to look like. And the only thing I had passion for was my music. Mm-hmm. I loved my music, you know, loved making music. And so uh when I so when I left Barbara's I started a, a group uh called uh, Heaven on Earth Ensemble and uh got together uh some of my friends and uh got a you know uh Joy Atler who was a great singer. I worked with her. She was one of the teachers in my program and Kate Pernice who also I worked with and her husband who who was an incredible musician, was play piano and keyboard. And then he brought his friend, um, uh, God, Michael Michael Tomlinson, and brought him on. He played the drums. And then we 
who else? We brought a couple other people who uh, did shamanic uh, um, drumming. And and we put together this uh, as a two-and-a-half-hour event. And and it was really uh, an event to open up the chakras and uh, and really connect people to the earth and and awaken them to uh, to their core to their to their magnificence and uh, also wrote a poem uh, awaking to your magnificence during that time and it was just a time for me where it was just being creative and, and I really enjoyed it I uh, Connie Cummings at, at the time. Uh, she had an organization, nonprofit organization. She actually funded uh, funded me mm-hmm. and to help me uh, put this together. And we did about oh my god, we must have did like thirteen events, thirteen concerts. Wow, you yeah. did thirteen concerts. Yeah, we went wow. to New York four times, and we went to Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco, of course, a couple of times to Santa Cruz, New Mexico. We yeah, I mean. I enjoyed it. We had a blast, but it just, uh, I couldn't make it work financially. And I mm-hmm. hope someday that it will come full circle. For Excuse me. It'll come full circle, mm-hmm. you know, and um, have uh, the financial backing or make be able to really, uh, you know, uh, make it work in that way. Mm-hmm. But I, we had a blast, the group, and we... we all loved it. And we were sad that we couldn't quite make it work. And we had... Uh, People loved it, had brave reviews about it, but we just couldn't make it work financially so everyone right. could get, you know, paid so that mm-hmm. they could take the time off and, and make it all work. Yeah, and you had a slideshow behind yeah. musicians, and you went through all the chakras, mm-hmm. and I remember through music, through music and, um, and built the whole program from the ground chakra all the way up. It right. was really great. In my group, we uh, created our own music to uh, represent each chakra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we it was an original music that we created as a group together. And uh, and, and you still have that CD out there, yeah, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We created a CD. Yeah, it was it was a wonderful time of creation, and mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, again, if <laughs> if it all would have worked, in 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 the monetary. Uh, aspect of it mm-hmm. we'd probably still be doing it yeah 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 well then you started to create your your um you well you create drums and rattles and things also right did you use those in the heaven on earth ensemble oh yeah i've always used my own instruments i create my own drums and my rattles but actually you know i did that in the very beginning uh when i started uh, studying with barbara that's what put me through school. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's, oh. I used to uh, make uh, medicine pipes and drums and, mm-hmm. and and rattles and smudge feathers and mm-hmm. yeah, and all mm-hmm. those things that actually put me through through my uh, all my uh, trainings. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I still use some of those instruments uh, when mm-hmm. I when I do my work. Right. Know. Right. And you you come from uh, part part of your background is Native American, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Mexican Indian and Apache. Uh huh. And then I'm um, Spanish and, and German. So you've got a lot of different yeah. streams half, through you. Well, I just feel like I'm I feel like I'm a bridge. I'm half European and I, I'm half Native American. So, um, so I feel like I'm a bridge. Uh huh. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the the training, the shamanism. Let's talk about shamanism because I think. It's a it's a highly misunderstood word today. I think you know a lot of people have different takes on what it might be, um, and how it's practiced in different traditions. 
But I think that basically earth-based traditions around the world uh, see shamanism as a way to bridge one world, this world, this physical world that we're in, and a spirit world. Um, would you talk a little bit about how you approach shamanism and what do you, how do you see it developing or how do you, te- how do you teach it so that people can get their own experience of it? I guess maybe that's a, it's a kind of broad question, but I'd, I'd like to know how you approach it. Well, one of the things um, that I like to do when I'm doing a lecture you know, um, especially if you're, you know, having a free, I often do um, free talks just to get people, um, you know, just an introduction and even come in and be curious. I'll ask this, these four questions, and and uh, usually this really helps. I'll say, do you, I'll ask the group if they believe that, uh, that they're a spiritual being inhabiting a physical body. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, even the most skeptic people will go, could, you know, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I believe that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll say, do you believe that there's other realms of, uh, you know, existences? You know, do you believe there's more than one realm of existence? And most people will surprisingly go, yeah, okay, yeah, I think that might be true. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them, uh, do you believe if if trained that you could take your spiritual body and travel? to these other realms of existence as if you were shown and trained. And there might be a few people that go, I don't know, but at least they they seem to be open to that. Well, yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe I could, or at least I'd be interested in that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, okay, do you believe if you uh, could travel with your energy body to another realm of existence and you could receive in healing or guidance or uh, some type of... uh, uh, healing in that other realm, that you could take that healing that you receive and bring it back to this present uh, body, this present um, existence, and it would change this reality in this present time. And you, and surprising, most people go, yeah, I'm open to that, that, that possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like that might be true. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, that's what shamanism is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, they, then you really spark their interest. They go, Oh, that's, you know, because that's what I think shamanism is. I mean, that's what my guides um, tell me or teach me is that that really what shamanism is, is really tapping into our ancestral connection to the way the earth was uh, when um, our ancestors first walked, mm-hmm. which um, was earth-based connected and was where spirits spoke to uh, the earth, everything spoke uh, to us, and we were one with mm-hmm. the earth. Mm-hmm. And that that existence, you know, like a radio dial that you change, is still there. It's just that we've changed the radio dial and mm-hmm. moved away from that existence. Mm-hmm. But that way of walking or that earth existence, I believe, is still there in another realm of existence mm-hmm. at a different frequency. Mm-hmm. So what I believe shamanism is, is about, you know, teaching people how to change their frequency, you know, and be able to move into the frequency that our ancestors walked the earth and then connect to that earth realm. I mm-hmm. call it earth in spirit realm, which I call shaman, a shamanic realm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. I feel that I teach people how to go into an altered state and in that altered state, how to travel with their light bodies into this 
shamanic realm mm-hmm. and for healing, guidance, protection, and support. Mm-hmm. And then I teach them how to work in that realm. And I always tell people, though, that that realm will look differently to depending on who you are, your ancestral you know, connection. It's not just going to be one way. So that's where I really like people to open up to their own tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because really earth-centered traditions or spirituality um, are in every tradition, every walk of religion, even if even if they are in denial of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. know, you can say, you know, Catholic Church might be in denial of its <laughs> earth-based reality. But in truth, uh, it really has that earth-based reality. I mean, every Catholic Church has a rock in the altar, and they use candles, and they use light and water and incense and all the things that you use in any kind of mm-hmm. shamanic tradition. Yes. And when I realized that there were rocks, I remember that they had to have a consecrated rock from a sacred site in the altar of every Catholic church. That completely blew my mind when I found that out. So I thought, wow, see, it's it's earth presence. It's taking those relics that are considered sacred in that realm and bringing it into the church Mm -hmm. and consecrating it for a specific purpose that then gives power to that altar. And so that's very primitive. I mean, when you think mm-hmm. of it, it's very mm-hmm. primeval. And it, it connects all of us. Every every single tradition has some kind of a connection to the earth. It has to. Yeah, they, they say if you look at it, at the bones of it, every religion came from some shamanic tradition. Right. Yeah. Right. Even though the religion will, will deny it. Like right. Hindu... Hinduism is so shamanic. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they may deny it, but it's it's there. Right. But when the spoken, you know, when writing came and words came, and they sort of moved away from uh, some of the earth-based uh, identification and mm-hmm. went into a more dogmatic way mm-hmm. of looking with the written word and, mm-hmm. and somewhat kind of lost... Um, the shamanism, I think, in it, even mm. though it's there. Mm-hmm. It's there. Right. right. And that's how I like to teach it. I really like people to see shamanism as a realm that is alive and is active and that is is, is really speaking to them in the now and the present. Mm-hmm. And the form it takes is really uh, for you. Right. Through your ancestral roots, through your... Uh, mythology through your mm-hmm. you know archetypes you know uh, like uh, always a good example you had said use some examples I always like to use this one because uh-huh. again I, I love to teach it in this way I'll tell people I often will tell my students okay this is my experience how, how the shamanic realm is this is my experience how to do a soul retrieval or, or travel to the lower world or this or that and then I'll say now forget what I said <laughs> I'm going to start beating the drum, take you into an altered state, and you experience it. Don't, and forget how I said you do it. Forget how, you know, just what will your experience be? Mm-hmm. So there was this woman from New York City, and we were taking a journey to the lower world and to the core of the earth. And uh, after the journey was over, she came to me. She says, uh, Patricia, she says, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I, I, I said, well, what did you do? She says, what, what did you do wrong? She says, well, I 
was trying to go to the lower world and I just couldn't do it the way you described it. And she says, I, I just couldn't do it. It was scary to me. And I said, well, what did you do? She says, well, an elevator appeared. <laughs> and I took the elevator down to the lower world. She lives in New York City. Yeah, yeah. How else would she do it? How would she do it? Yeah, yeah. And I said, and what happened? And she had this wonderful experience of the lower world, this wonderful journey and this healing and guidance that she received. Right. But here she wanted to, to negate the whole thing right. just because it didn't, yeah. And so, it didn't sound like what you would do in California, right. you know, where you don't have too many elevators except right. in the that, city, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be my way to journey through right. an elevator. Right. That would feel very uncomfortable for me. I'm from California. Right. And so, anyway... It's wonderful. To, I always I always enjoy hearing people's stories, mm -hmm. how they experience the shamanic realm, and how they journey, and how their uh, way of of using the realm appears to them, or how their guides, or what animals appear. It's very. If you teach it like that, it's so wonderful and so playful and so exciting and so free. Mm -hmm. it, it it really loses all that dogma, all the rules, and then magic happens. Right, right. Excuse me. Yeah. I find that I find that to be true also in the heart garden process that I use where I take people into their hearts, and in their hearts they meet all these different aspects of themselves, their child and their animals and their feminine, masculine, high self, and they can they can meet past lives outside the garden, and they can uh, so I do it a little differently, but it's still like the same process where you're taking people into their reality and not mm -hmm. into an imposed reality. And I think that's really important in earth-based spirituality. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think um, I think that it really is what shamanism in, in its in its true form was. Yeah. I don't think our ancestors. Uh, use so many rules. No, I don't, I don't think, think it would. Yeah, no. I think mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, uh, the shamanic realm is alive mm -hmm. right here, right now, mm -hmm. and it's it's going to um, teach you right right here, right now, mm -hmm. and uh, and I think if we start getting into too many rules, well, you only you know have this power animal or you only go to this world or this realm or you only do soul retrieval here or there or this way, you're losing the true magic of shamanism. Right. You, you're really missing what, you know, the freedom, the power that that's there. Yeah. Because there is no, there is no rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's infinite. Right. Right. It's in a realm that it's infinite in its possibilities mm -hmm. and its creation and its magic and its ability to to heal and and in so many ways mm -hmm. you, that you couldn't possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. So anytime you put too much, you know, dogma there or rules on there, then you're you're going to lose some of the magic of it. Right. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. And that's what religion did. Right. Yeah. Right. So I really way away from that and it's, but it's 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 really interesting and I'm sure you find this as a teacher is the balance because people come to learn something so you got to give them something yeah right but you can't give them too much because then they're going to lose their natural uh abilities or, or confidence right. to journey and and explore the realm on their own but you got to give them something 
you know, to get them started. So it's always a, it's always been for me a, a, a real balance mm-hmm. to give it, give enough, but mm-hmm. don't give too much. Mm-hmm. But give enough to get them started, mm-hmm. and then empower them to let them just go and and let go of what I said. Right. So that's right. always been my uh, balance as a teacher. Yeah. Or goal. Well, I think when you're doing experiential work, you know, where you're you're giving them an experience of themselves and guiding them into areas in their own reality. Um, it has to be that way because if you get too rule-bound, then it becomes the psychoanalysis instead of a shamanic journey. It, it becomes, you know, you can go in a thousand directions. You know, I could talk about the heart garden from a psychological perspective for hours, but it doesn't do them any good unless they actually have an experience of it. And when they have the experience of it, that's where things start to shift and move and people actually... Um, can make transformations in their lives. They can't make them if they don't have an experience. I, I think our whole academic system has kind of gotten off the beam with that, too, because it's always talking about something. It's not actually experiencing it, unless you're like in archaeology or something where you have to go do a dig. But but so much, uh, or music or the arts, where you're actually making things and you're creating things, um, I think that, that what we're needing are more um, more experiential ways of teaching so that people have their own experience. And, and I really feel like this is the future here. So so when you take people on a journey, you, you're usually drumming. Is that how you do it? Yeah, or drumming or rattling and chanting, yeah. Uh-huh. And I just want to get back to what you said. I felt that's so true with uh, because to me, uh, when... When you're really doing healing work, uh, when you really want to heal somebody or, you know, bring them an experience, especially if if you're working with that early uh, child developmental work where you you really want to bring somebody an experience they didn't receive. Right. Okay. um, Then um, you have to take them into an altered state and you have to have something new happen. Okay. And nothing new is going to happen if you in their mind and they're uh, not into an altered state and allowing uh, to be able to 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 download something uh experience something new mm-hmm. and that's what's so powerful about shamanism that that uh, it really takes being in an altered state of consciousness because it's been proven that as children we were in altered state mm-hmm. we were we were in altered states and and most of our wounding happened in altered states, okay? And you can't reprogram the subconscious, which is, you know, pretty much ruling most of our, our time mm-hmm. in our life. Right. You can't um, heal or trans. you can't change your subconscious without going into an altered state. Mm-hmm. So uh, altered states, you need to go into an altered state, and sh- shamanism is so right for that. Exactly. It takes you into an altered state, and then it gives you an experience in that altered state. Mm-hmm. And in that altered state, you're able to influence the subconscious mind. Right. Yeah. Something new then now is implanted. Right. In the cells, and the mind. There was a study, it was written in the Time magazine, that states that the mind knows uh, no difference between an experience that it experiences in this present reality, nor 
in an altered reality. Mm-hmm. It will register it as experiencing it, mm-hmm. the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that there just right proves that. So if I can take you into an altered state, if I can take you into a shamanic state, take you on a journey, and give you an experience that you never had, but you really need it. Developmentally, you really need to feel the love of the father Mm -hmm. or the love of the mother. And I call in the grandmothers, or I call in the spiritual grandfathers. Mm -hmm. And I have them gather around you and hold you and praise you. And you could really take that in. And then that is going to be part of your cellular history. It's Mm -hmm. going to be part of you. Right. It, you it becomes part of your like cellular memory. Exactly. Since you have that memory, you, you actually receive something you might not have gotten yes. in your childhood. And yeah. shamanism is a wonderful way of, and that's what we do in my program, mm-hmm. of, uh, of healing in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful way of healing. You know, we're going to come right back with Patricia White Buffalo and talk a little bit more about shamanism and her program that's called Walking the Shaman's Path, and we'll be right back. Patricia White Buffalo, and she just played a double flute. Can talk about that flute a little bit. That's really amazing. I think I can't remember. I think I got this one in New Mexico too, but it's a double flute. It's kind of fun. I feel like the flutes they they have their own you know personality. Yeah. So like this flute, it's like it's a playful flute. It likes to go, you know, kind of dance, a dancing uh, flute. Uh-huh. The other one, the other flute I play is a little more serious and you know yeah. and heartful. But this one likes just like a, it's like a, 
reminds me of a little piper, you know, dancing. Yeah, like a pan pipe. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, pan it has, pipe. and it has a drone, yeah. right? It's one that doesn't have any holes on it, and the other one has yeah. a bunch of holes. Yeah. Yeah, it likes yeah. to play. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so the flutes that you have and the drums that you play in your um, program, you give people an opportunity to take journeys, and they go in and... Um, Tell, tell me about a little bit more about your program because you you do have uh, you take people through a three year program. What do you do in all that time? Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's a long program. <laughs> yeah. Well, we meet three times a year and then we have teleconferences, eight teleconferences in between. Um, but uh, really, the whole program structured around a uh, model I created called the Wheel of Awakening, and the Wheel of Awakening is really twenty something years of my work. And it started out with uh, really the medicine wheel, which is a Native American way of looking at uh, life and how we walk the you know the wheel of life. Um, the medicine wheel has uh, the traditional four directions and the four elements and the four seasons. Mm-hmm. And when I first started teaching shamanism, I would work with the the, um, the, the medicine wheel and, and do a lot of work in the, with the medicine wheel. Excuse me. Then what happened is, as I studied other works in transpersonal psychology, Eastern philosophy, early child development, I little by little, it's like all the work came together, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, because what I found was um, that for the Western person, the, the uh, Eastern philosophy way of awakening... Um, didn't quite fit because of our development uh, is is much different. And while I was teaching, I saw that there there was holes, and it felt like there was all this separate way of teaching. You know, like there was this uh, transpersonal work, but it didn't it didn't address the personal. It didn't address the the young development. And I could see that if there was missing pieces of the young development, then pers- a person couldn't. Uh, necessarily let go of their egoic world when there was no foundation to really hold them. They couldn't go into those higher levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So if there were holes in their childhood. Mm -hmm. Childhood development. Yeah, Yeah. their child development, then they couldn't really have a foundation that was going to support them in the future. Right, to go into even a deeper realization, Mm -hmm. which which takes you beyond that, that ego, beyond that childhood. And so, you know, as the years were, you know, well, you know, doing my own personal work, I found that in myself and in my students. Uh, I I studied, kept studying, and I studied early ch- uh, child development, and and then I went to India and I sat with the gurus, and I also realized that I I just working on on the ego, transforming aspects of the ego, just egoic work and transformational work wasn't always addressing or looking at. The truth of who we are. It's like we we're spending too much time, you know, transforming or processing who we're not, in a sense. Right. Yeah. And and the wounds. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And picking over the wounds without really looking at. Wait a minute. There's a perfect being under there. There's mm-hmm. somebody that's really, mm-hmm. basically love. Right. And basically, a healed soul. If we can get them to the core of who they are. Yes. Yeah, so it, it felt like. Uh, I called it, there was, you know, either you were a process junkie, you know, uh-huh. you just keep processing, 
junkie or you were, you know, this lost person that couldn't even, you know, really do the basic uh, pieces because there were so many lost developmental pieces or you were, I called the bliss ninny who was just, you know, <laughs> looking for the next guru or, you know, that came and you, yeah, yeah you were really not able to, you know, uh, really take the work and ground it. You were just right. getting high, you know, off the next, you know, uh, guru or, you know, that the you next sat guru with. joke. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah, through, again, through my own personal work and finding that holes in me and seeing it in my students, I started putting together and uh, realizing that for me it looked like there was three processes. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what I called the uh, pre-personal personal and, and transpersonal or pre, pre-egoic, egoic or trans-egoic, that there was three processes and that all three of those processes had to be balanced. You had to work on all three of them uh, really to accomplish uh, a true awakening state of your true nature and that, you know, and that they couldn't be skipped. Not necessarily did it have to be in a, in a say, uh, you could use, you know, like doing the transpersonal work at the same time doing young work, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you had to address all three of them. Mm-hmm. So that's what the Wheel of Awakening is mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I, I put all those three processes in the wheel, and then I've taken them and broken them down in the three-year program so that we cover all three processes. Mm. And I create a medicine wheel or we, in, in the program, and we actually do all the healing work. We do all the journey inside the medicine wheel, and we walk the wheel, and we, and we use the wheel to call in the developments and the, and the energies from the shamanic realm to help us get all these three processes. Mm-hmm. So that's... Mm-hmm. Now, so that in a medicine, traditional medicine wheel, there are four quadrants. Mm-hmm. But do you, take, uh, do you take like a third of the wheel per time, or do you take... There's four. Co- uh, there's four. There's okay. four. Uh-huh. But there's a... What I've just done is... There's four, but what we've done is there's a... We either... In the, in the center of the wheel, we call that the inner dwelling process, which is the trans personal uh-huh. okay so that's the inner dwelling work and we use we use the method of more uh from city yoga because that's uh my guru that i've worked with guru my which is what we call inner dwelling presence so we use a inward dwelling mm-hmm. instead of some people may more sometimes think of it outward mm-hmm. so we we inner dwell to to realize that true nature so that's in the center of the wheel and then what i've done uh, is taken uh the developmental, and this, is, this was very hard for me to do because traditionally in the medicine wheel, you move clockwise, not counterclockwise. Right. So what uh, I got guided to do is then I have a small wheel uh, inside the medicine wheel, which is the foundational part, uh-huh. and we walk counterclockwise because oh, we develop aspects of us. Uh-huh. From, and we start from the east and go to the north and go to the west and go to the south. Ah. So each class, we do the east work, we do the north, and we do the west, and, and then we do the south. Ah. And then I have the outer wheel, which is more like the traditional medicine wheel, mm-hmm. and then we walk clockwise ah. around. So it's, yeah, the three processes are inside the wheel, and the four quadrants are there. Ah. Ah. And so, it, yeah, it was difficult for me to 
to break tradition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's good though to do that because you you're bringing something new in here, which yeah. is marrying really Western psychology with with Eastern with the shamanic traditions of the Native Americans. So mm-hmm. this is really and it really speaks a new to work. Yeah, and it really speaks who I am. I'm not a yeah. traditional. Yeah, you know, I I am I'm I am uh, European too. I right. am Western too. Right. And I I wanted I just wanted to share one thing is yeah. that when I was putting this wheel together, I really got stuck on how to get this foundational piece to work and, and fit in the wheel. The inner dwelling was pretty easy, and the outer wheel that. Uh, was you know it had already you know formed through the medicine wheel, and so but the inner wheel of the foundation work just didn't work, yeah. and if you walk clockwise, okay, yeah. and so I finally I put a big a, a poster of it by my bed on the top of the wall, you know, posted it on the wall, and I went to bed and I had a dream. Ah. <laughs> In the dream, they told me counterclockwise. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go backwards. Yeah. Well, in every traditional medicine wheel that I've studied, you know, in when they talk about personal your personal development, there are are periods about every three years, two to three years, where people are going backwards. Like, you know, you think of the terrible twos. Well, the mm-hmm. terrible twos start when the child is two to their till their third year. So in their second year or third year, really. That's when they start going backwards, and the same when they turn um, between six and seven. That's a big transformational time, like in the Steiner work, and and then seven years later, you know, like so that there's three three to four year periods. There's a time when the child needs to go backwards or like reassess who they are, and they're transforming into their from from childhood to preteen, from preteen to teenager. From teenager to to young adult, and from young adult to adulthood, so it makes sense that those those kind of circumventing years are almost like they're going backwards a little before they go forward. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense what you're saying to me, and and then I think in every shamanic tradition that I know of, the backwards becomes a very important instructional. Like lightning can be considered, you know, a flash of insight. It can destroy and it can also, you know, transform. Um, but there's always, the backward is always in the teachings of the Native American tribes that I've studied and oh, been yeah. in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always got to be a Hayoka in there. There's yeah, always got to be somebody, <laughs> you know, that, that's going to come in and bring in the energy that's opposite of what's going on in the ceremony. And it's part of the ceremony. It's a very important part of the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And it's a healing part. Like the third day in Sundance is always the healing day. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when the Hayokas come out. And, right. And it's they're funny, and they also deal with death, and they also feel, deal with transformation. So, well, that's fascinating. I'm really happy to talk to you today about uh, shamanism and how you use it in your program and how you've developed this. It's, uh, is there anything else you want to share with me today? I just, hmm, just that... Um, how it you know in, in the program it's always been a it's always a, a balance for me to teach in the way I'm I'm trying to hold that in other words I I've got this model yeah I've got a workbook you know I've got a agenda uh-huh. and then it's always so uh, and then to let it go too right yeah you know because yeah. you say what do I do you know and so 
it always is a little bit different because if I'm going to hold to the premise that I keep saying it's alive all the time. Right. Yeah. But then the last thing I just want to say, too, is I, I always try to, um, the program's gotten a lot of um, re- great reviews, and people are, are, are just so excited. I mean, they're, they're, they're making such huge shifts, you know, that they, they weren't able to make, and I think that uh, has a lot to do with the foundational work and uh, mm-hmm. just combining all three, you mm-hmm. know, instead of just going in there and trying to and, uh, dismantle the ego aspects, mm-hmm. and, you know. Uh, can get a lot of uh, defensive, you know, it can be very threatening. So right. the, the way the model has worked, it it really takes away the threateningness to it, mm-hmm. and it really builds a foundation that will naturally let things unfold and melt. And the soul retrieval, too, you know, working with soul retrieval, gathering aspects of, your, of, the, of the self also helps, you know, that's such a powerful technique, as you know, you do a lot of soul retrieval, right. you know, work. And but, but the last thing I just want to say is, though, I always remember to do this, you know, uh, when we do a journey at the program, and when we start the program, and when we end the program, to always remember that, you know, my teachings, you know, that were, um, were channeled with me, that I've put together, and uh, over all these years that, you know, and through my own experiences and what I've learned, you know, the wheel and the teachings in itself would not be that. It's not what the real power, uh, the gift here is. It's it's the shamanic realm. Mm-hmm. I always thank the realm. Mm-hmm. It's the realm. Mm-hmm. It's the realm is so incredible. And they're so loving. The beings in the shamanic realm are so present and they're so powerful and they're so in service of humanity. Mm-hmm. And they so much want to help us to transform and heal. Yeah. And it, and so I always, so it's like I always make sure my ego knows better not to, you know, take uh, uh, credit for mm-hmm. really where credit is due is to the realm. Yes. I always and give to the spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I always say with great gratitude and thanks to the shamanic realm and all that has created the realm and holds the realm. You know, I always say that prayer mm-hmm. because it's like without that realm, without them there coming into the room and into the wheel we create and being part of the program, and it, it wouldn't be as magical, it wouldn't be as powerful. Right. It doesn't matter what, you know, if, if it just had the teachings alone. Right. It's it's the power of, of, the, of the realm. Yes, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to thank you for spending this hour with us tonight and uh, enjoyed talking to you about shamanism. This is uh, Robin White Turtle Lisney and I'm here talking with Patricia White Buffalo. Would you do a little flute to take us out? Thanks for joining us for Evolve in this episode with Patricia White Buffalo. 
And I'm Robin White Turtle And you can check out my work at www.thecenterforthesoul.com. I've got some exciting programs coming up and, and take a look at it. The www.thecenterforthesoul.com. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Carousella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Convergence with John Carousella, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Evolve was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.